Thank you for listening to the Life Church of Kansas City, Missouri. Consider supporting by giving at tlckcmo.com, subscribing, and sharing this message with your friends. God bless you. Use whenever we want to. Okay, we want to learn to make disciples, not how to make disciples. We want to just make disciples. Just like we don't want to learn how to pray, we want to pray. Am I right? So there's things that we just need to do, so we need to know that we're supposed to make disciples. Amen? So without further ado, we're going to kick off, and first off, uh, Brother Justin Larmy is going to lead us. Amen. Thank you, Brother Paul, for letting me share our story with our disciples. I met James in 2007 working at the middle school. We were teaching on the same team. He worked right across the hall from me. We worked for about 10 years together, nine of those years on the same team, working right across the hall from each other. There was a little bit of a rocky start at first because we're very different people with different ideals and philosophies. And to be real honest, if he would tell you tonight, I probably just got on his nerves really badly. So I was never really sure about his thoughts on religion and church and God, and so we never really talked a lot about that. I would share some things, some experiences that I had had and our family had had, but it was pretty limited. But we started developing a friendship the last few years that we taught together, and I started feeling a little drawn, like maybe this, you know, as you know, and you'd help me pray for all those years, maybe this is why the door for administration had always been closed because there was some unfinished business there. So every year when I didn't get the job, I would just trust that God had me there for a reason and, and I would continue praying for my team. So later I was transferred to a new building and we did maintain interaction. We played golf, uh, mini golf together and mini golf. I don't do the real golf and trunk or treat and, you know, some things together as our families and our kids would get together. But I kept thinking maybe there was some unfinished business left at Martin City where we worked. And I know the story and, you know, even the Bible tells us some plant, some water. And so maybe I was just the planter and then someone would come along and water. I didn't know. But three years later, I returned to Martin City and I'm able to work with him again. And so it wasn't long into it. And we started talking about connect groups at the Life Church. And I talked to him, and you may remember Pastor shared that I was really uneasy about, you know, and I just him hauled around, would you like to, uh, you know, maybe it's just this group and blah. And he's like, like a Bible study? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So I learned that it's okay just to be open and just honest about it. He was already there, and I wasn't. So uh, they quickly agreed and accepted the invitation. Our first meeting was so great. We welcomed them into our home. My wife did an amazing job of making them feel like the greatest people on earth and that our home was blessed to have them there. And, and I don't mean that like it wasn't. It's the truth. Good people. We love that. And so they came in, and, and we really just got to talk about our thankfulness for connections with good people like them and, and got to just try to build that relationship even more. I'm not going to lie, at first it was a little awkward when we got to the end. I had already purposed in my mind I was going to like not stutter and him haw around with the prayer at the end, but I wanted it to be a, a really touching thing. And right about the time the prayer, uh, we were at the end and it was time to pray, kids came upstairs and cabinet doors were flung open and yelling and balls were being bounced. And I thought, oh, this is not what I thought. 
And so we just gave it some time, and then I was like, well, I'd like for us to pray before we end. And so we got that first prayer, and it was a little awkward. Never prayed with these people before. I knew him as social studies teacher and I the English teacher, and so we opened that door right there. Um, We began to share throughout the weeks. Our families definitely developed more of a connection, and we got to the point to where we were opening up more, and there were some tears that were even shed and some times of emotion. And so um, when we had to reschedule, they're very serious about, let's get that on the books. We, you know, we don't want to miss it. We want you to know we're taking it seriously. And they ask if I fail to give them the homework right away. It's slow and steady, but every single week I feel like we're getting more of a connection and we're getting more of just a depth there in that relationship. I don't know where God's going to take us. I don't know how long this connect group will last. I mean, we're not ready right now for it to end, but um, we're just trusting the Lord. And I just want to say, I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that believes that this and recognizes that this is our mission. For years, we've heard this preached. It's been on our banner. It's been on all of our publications. And I somehow felt like I didn't know how to be a part of that. And this has shown me that I can be a part of it. You can be a part of it. Our neighbors, our friends, our coworkers, the person right across the aisle from us, they're there and they're waiting for us to share the good news with them. It's a great testimony. Praise the Lord, Life Church. So I'm a part of a connect group uh, with Brother Eddie Tedda. He's not here tonight. Typically, he sits right back by Brother Havner in that section over there. Uh, great young man uh, that we've been that I've been meeting with for some time now. Um, but as far as the process, how it started with me on Wednesday nights, we've always just been taught one way to find disciples is really just to look across the aisle, and and that's really how. Um, how it happened for me. Um, As you know, I'm up front on Wednesday nights, and it just so happened that I always look who all's here on Wednesday night. And so it just so happened that um, a young man, well, he's not really young, um, but he's in his 30s, but there's just a a man sitting back here, and I didn't recognize him. And so I was like, interesting. And so I saw him a few weeks, and he got away before I could talk to him. And I'm like, I want to, I have to be intentional, and I want to, I want to just say hello. I want to greet this person, um, but just because something he just stuck out to me, and somehow that's how it happens. If you're being intentional and saying, I want to, you know, I want to make a connection with somebody, because really that's what connect groups are about is making a connection with people. And so if you're saying to the Lord, I want to connect with somebody. And you're just even scanning this sanctuary. Someone is just going to, that you don't know, is going to just stand out to you. And then you have to become intentional to, to meet them. And so that's what I did one Sunday. He was going out that door, and I made sure I got to him. And I just introduced myself and said, I don't know you, um, but my name, I gave him my name, and, and we just talked for a brief moment and said, I'm so glad you're a part of the Life Church. And it was very brief that first time, but the next week I grabbed him again and said, man, great to see you again man, I'd love to meet up with you just sometime, just talk about our lives and just get to know who you are. And he's like, yeah, that'd, that'd be great. I'd love to do that. And that was just the end of it. So we exchanged information, and I just kind of let it go for a few days and then started a text conversation. Hey, man, let's get together Thursday. You know, What do you want to do? How do you want to meet? And so we ended up meeting at an Applebee's, just kind of, you know, I, I had in my mind, surely everyone loves to eat, so... 
let's just meet at an Applebee's. Well, as it turns out, he's like, well, I'm not much for food, you know, let, we can eat at an Applebee's, you, you know, so we just got a water and I got a lemonade or something, but we just started to make a connection and started to learn about each other, and so I just asked, asking questions about his life, getting to know his background, who he was, what he was about, and so uh, during all this, uh, connect groups were, were kind of coming to fruition, and, and the vision was getting cast for that. And so I'm like, okay, well, this is my candidate for a connect group. This is my candidate to, you know, I have somehow made a connection. God has drawn me to this person. I don't know why, but it's an easy connection, and it was right across the aisle from me. Uh, very, you would say simple, very easy. I didn't have to go to him. They, he came to us. You know, disciples are coming to the Life Church here. And so... I just asked him, hey, we're starting this thing called Connect Groups, and I just wondered if you'd be interested. And he's like, well, what is a Connect Group? And I said, well, it's really just a way for both of us to grow and get closer to the Lord, learn more about the Lord, and answer each other's questions. Iron sharpens iron, and it's just a way for us to grow closer to each other, learn more about each other, and learn more about the Lord. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. I'd love to do that. So then we started a Connect Group. And we meet on Thursday nights, and we actually meet here at the church about 90 minutes, and we go over the lessons, and it's, it's funny because they're not, you don't have to be a theologian to teach these lessons. You just go through the lesson, you, and there's questions that are thought-provoking, engaging for both parties involved. It's not just a one-way conversation, and sometimes I just ask the question, and I wait for him to answer it. I don't always take the lead, and I'm just always pushing whatever my answer is on. No, I just I let, wait for him to answer. And he's, he's expressed how he loves these Connect Group meetings, how it's just such a blessing to him being able to talk about the Lord and, and real-life application to what we're trying to do, being closer to the Lord. Uh, one other just quick thing, it's really the Lord that does the work. Any, any effort that we do, it's only because we know, all right, I'm limited in my abilities. I'm not a theologian, but I know you can use me. And so it's the Lord that does the work. So one of the first few groups we met, I just, I just asked him, hey, man, you've been baptized in Jesus' name? Just curious to see about his experience with the Lord. I mean, we want to know where people are. We want to know their experience, where they're at. And he's like, yeah, I've been, a, I've been baptized in Jesus' name. That's the only way. I'm like, all right, cool. I left that one alone. I didn't say another single word about you know, salvation doctrine after that. We've just been going through the connect groups, going through the connect groups. Well, about, I'd say three weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, we were just walking out of the, just, just a normal connect group. We were walking out, and we got to our vehicle. He's like, man, I, I got to tell you, the Lord's just really been drawing me. I, I, I really need to get rebaptized. I need to rededicate my life to the Lord. And, and I was like, I was Okay, you know, we hadn't talked about baptism. We hadn't talked about any of this. But it's the Lord that's drawing. It's not me. And so I was like, okay, well, he was already baptized in Jesus' name, so, so what is this? And as we began to talk, he was baptized just at a young age. I think he said five years old. And he's like, it really didn't mean anything to me. Like, it, it was an, ex yes, I know it happened. Yes, I know it was in Jesus' name. But it had no significance to me. I don't remember it. I don't. And so he said, I want it to mean something. He said, I know I need to just do this because the Lord is drawing me to do this. 
And so I'm like, he's like, when can we do this? What, what days do you guys baptize people? I said, we can baptize you any day you want. <laughs> and, and he's like, I'm like, but you're here next Wednesday. We baptize on Wednesdays. There's water, already water in the tank. So let's do it next Wednesday. So we got him in the tank. Brother Morgan's and I back there. He's, and Brother Morgan's asked him if he had spoken in tongues, had the Holy Ghost. He said, no, no, I've never done that. He said, well, all right, well, this is your moment. And so long story short, get him in the water. He gets baptized, and God fills him with the Holy Ghost when he comes out. And so uh, it's God that does the work. You know, I wasn't pounding, you know, doctrine every week. That's not what the Connect Group lessons are geared towards. It's meeting people where they are. It's relational discipleship. It's making a connection with people. And uh, it's exciting and to know that really it's God behind the scenes, and, and I'm just able to play a small role in it. Brother Paul. Amen. It's exciting to hear what God did last semester and continuing to do. Amen. So many great things. One testimony, Brother Nix, who I believe has gone back to his country to be a missionary. Uh, he was a missionary here. He never quit being a missionary, but he found a disciple here at the Life Church, and uh, he was getting ready to leave, and uh, his disciple got baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost, and Brother Pastor Gleason's disciple, one of his disciples is now discipling Brother Nix's disciple. So isn't that cool? Amen. So uh, we're thankful for what God did and what he's continuing to do. So the TLC purpose statement is to obey the command of Jesus Christ, to go teach, baptize, and make disciples of all nations. What is a connect group? Now, I want to talk to you a little bit about why. Why connect group, okay? But what is a connect group? It's a small group of one to two born-again believers and one to two unchurched unbelievers that meet for eight weeks via Zoom, FaceTime, in person at a coffee shop, Applebee's, at the high school, whatever. Connect groups are to uh, engage, establish, equip, and empower, the four E's. So we will compassionately engage our community. We will intentionally establish biblical foundations. We will strategically equip believers, and we will constantly equip, excuse me, empower disciples. Amen? Uh, Connect groups are not about getting church people into cell groups. It's about getting unbelievers and unchurched people to Christ. That's the focus. That's what Connect Groups is all about. Connect Groups are about engaging our communities, establishing spiritual foundations, equipping believers to minister, and empowering disciples to make disciples. So what is discipleship? We've heard this term. Discipleship is not just a Christian term, believe it or not. Quarterbacks disciple another quarterback. The older quarterback disciples the younger quarterback. I mean, it goes, you know, uh, a journeyman, you know, disciples a young electrician that's getting into the trade. They're teaching them something. They're training them, okay? So discipleship is relationship. Discipleship uh, begins with sincere, authentic relationships. Discipleship is about building three key relationships. Now, this is from the Christian standpoint. It's about uh, establishing relationship with God, with nonbelievers, and with God's people. We all work together. We're as one. Remember, Jesus prayed that we'd all be one, okay? So we work with each other to work with non-believers to introduce them to God. This is where we use the four F's that pastor has spoken of. Anybody remember the four F's? The four F's. Number one, follow God. Excuse me, the three F's. I said four. Follow God. Number two, fish. 
fish for unbelievers. And number three, fellowship with God's people. Discipleship, it grows out of relationship and, continue, and continues to grow because of relationship, just like Dr. Larmy uh, spoke of just a minute ago. Now, one of my favorite verses is 1 Thessalonians 2, verse 8. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, but our own lives also. Okay, our own lives too. This verse is perfect as describing the discipleship relationship. I'm not just going to share God's word with you. I'm going to share my life with you. I'm going to grow with you, like Brother Nathan said. If these relationships are working properly, then it is difficult to keep churches from growing and expanding. It all goes back to relationship with God, with people in the world, and with God's people. So why connect? Why connect? This may be a little heavy in the last five minutes, but bear with me. Just let God speak to us tonight, okay? Why connect? Matthew 28, 19 is not a suggestion. It is the great commandment. It is the great commission. It's the mission of the church. Uh, I may not seem like a deep thinker, but I'm a very deep thinker. I've thought about discipleship for a long time. I've read several books. The pastor's read. I'm right behind him, just following him, okay? So I think about this quite a bit, and it just eats me alive. My wife will tell you I think about it all the time. But look what happened when Jesus showed up in John chapter 1. John chapter 1, verse 35. If media can follow with me, that's good. If not, don't worry about it. Verse 35 says, I'm reading New Living Translation. The following day, John... John the Baptist was standing with two of his disciples, and as Jesus walked by, Jesus looked at him and declared, look, John looked at him and declared, look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about 4 o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying and they remained with him the rest of the day. Verse 40, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon. Everybody say Andrew. Andrew went to find his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah. I imagine Simon and Andrew are pretty close. I know my two, my two boys, Austin and Zach, they're pretty close. They don't always see the eye, but they're very close. So Andrew went and got Simon. Then Andrew brought Simon to Jesus. He brought him to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus says, Your name is Simon, son of John, but you will be called Cephas, which means Peter. Now, if it had not been for Andrew connecting and following Jesus, then he would not have connected with his brother Peter. And Peter may have not fulfilled the things that God had destined for him such as the upper room experience, the salvation message that we know, the crippled man being healed at the gate called Beautiful, or Cornelius and his entire household may have not have heard the gospel message if Andrew had not went and got his brother, Peter. Andrew told Peter about the Messiah, and Peter connected with God and with others. So here's your homework from me to you tonight. Go home and read Matthew chapter 11 and Luke chapter 10. Matthew chapter 11 and Luke chapter 10. Look at these chapters. Now, remember when we kicked off the discipleship, 
Luke chapter 10 was really the key chapter. It's the chapter on the Good Samaritan. Okay, so read those two chapters and let God speak to you. So about six months before Jesus died on the cross, he sent out 35 deputations of two each. They were returning and giving a good report of the good results, and Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank thee, as though he, he could see the great crowds to whom they had been ministering to, okay? And Jesus says in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, NLT, once again, media team, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Then Jesus said, Jesus spoke up when all this was happening, and you're going to read this when you go home and do your homework. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Everyone say teach. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and the burden I give you is light. So I give you rest, and then I give you rest for your souls. There are two types of people. There are those who are tugging and straining and just getting through life, carrying heavy burdens, and then those who have received rest, and they are now asked to go farther. There are two types of rest, a given rest and a found rest. The given rest cannot be found. It comes as a gift from Jesus' own hand. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. That's the given. The found rest cannot be given. It comes gently as we, as you, as me, as us, as we fit Jesus' plan into our life. As we do what God has commanded us to do, that's where we're going to find rest for our souls. Now, when you go home and read these two chapters tonight, look at this. Very good because the scales were falling off my eyes as I was reading. And just let the Lord speak to you. But this has to do, it has to do with discipleship. Many folks have accepted the first of these invitations. They have come to Jesus and received the sweet rest from his hand, but they have gone no farther. At the close of that first invitation, there's a punctuation period, a full stop. Some of the old school books used to say that one should stop at a period and count four. Well, a couple of great, or excuse me, great many of people have followed that old rule and more than followed. They have stopped at that period and never got past it. They've got that first rest, the first rest. We get that first rest over and over again. But come with me as I close and let's, Look, and let's talk about this last invitation about take my yoke. Jesus used several different words in tying people to himself. There is a growth in them as he draws nearer and nearer. First always is the invitation to come unto me. Then follow me, come after me. That means discipleship. Learn of me means training and discipleship. Yoke up with me means closest fellowship. Abide in me leads one into abundant life. As the Father has sent me, here's, a, here's one, as the Father has sent me, even so, I, so send I you. That means living Jesus' life over and over again. 
As he sent him, so he sent us. So his disciples. And then the last is go ye. It's the outer reach of all. It's the discipleship to others. So take my yoke. This means surrender by one and mastery by another. Take my yoke. Put a yoke. Brother Justin talked about this a couple of Wednesday nights ago. Put a yoke. Put the Lord's yoke. Take his yoke. Put it upon us. Now, here's the question. Can I be fully surrendered to God and not do his will? Can I? His will is for me. It's for you. It's for we. It's for us. It's for everyone in this room. It's for every follower. And that's to make disciples. It's simple. That's, that's his will for all of us to make disciples. So the second rest is found when we are doing the will of God. It's when we're doing what God wants us to do. My soul is at ease when I know that I'm obeying what God has instructed me to do. Amen? We cannot be surrendered to someone and not obey them. So this is the why. This is why we have connect groups. We want to keep obeying his commandments. The word of the Lord says, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Amen. God bless. Thank you, Brother Paul. I'm going to just talk a little bit tonight about what I've learned around continuing to connect with our connect groups. We've already got some kind of connection with them. We've invited them to a group. And I'm just curious, how many here already have a connect group? Raise your hand if you don't mind. Raise your hand if you have a connect group going on. So this is super exciting. And you can put your hands down. Getting a connect group is easy. Everyone say it's easy. So you could just say, hey, you want to be part of my connect group? We heard Brother Dr. Alarmy say that he was fumbling around initially, but he learned quickly that really people are hungry. They just want you to be forward and ask them. I've learned that lesson myself. So my challenge, of course, is to let's follow the will of God. And the will of God is for all of us to go make disciples. And we can do this through Connect Group. And I'm going to share a personal story before I get into what I'm supposed to focus on. And this is about connecting with someone. Um, You can connect with your neighbors, your friends, your family. Usually you probably connect with people that you enjoy being around, that you like. Um, I have a story about I connected with someone that I didn't enjoy being around. (laughs) So I started to pray for them because that's what I do. I pray about everything and everyone. And the Lord nudged me and said, well, ask him for a Bible study. I'm like, or actually, this is what he said first. You're expecting them to act like a Christian and they don't know me. Why don't you ask them for a Bible study? It's like, okay, I will. (laughs) I did. And they said yes, and we've been in connect. I actually started using the connect group um, lessons, and it's been amazing. It's been beautiful to unfold, and I'm so thankful for that rebuke that the Lord gave me because I grew from that. Because Jesus died for everyone, not just the people that I enjoy being with. He died for the people that I don't enjoy being with, and now I'm connected with them, and we've got a greater relationship, and they're learning about Jesus. So... Back to the lessons. 
Sometimes the hardest part maybe would be we're feeling overwhelmed about the lesson. What am I going to say? What am I going to say? Well, thankfully, we've got some fabulous lesson writers that have already done that work for us. God has guided them. He's given them the words. He's given them scriptures. So that part is done. No problem. And we could take those lessons and we can use them. So I found this semester that or last semester, I started reading the lessons, and it's so important that we read the lessons first. Here's what I recommend. Always, always, always read the lesson before you actually teach it to someone. You want to prepare yourself. So one thing to keep in mind is while you're teaching a lesson to your connect group, they're going to grow, but you're also going to grow. So you want to make sure that you've got that lesson in your spirit before you try to give it to someone else. And they're really short lessons, typically one page. There's lots of great connecting stories. So I recommend you read it more than once and then pray over it. Pray over the lesson. Ask God to give you the words to speak. Ask God to let there be connection with you and whoever you're teaching to um, so, that so that God's presence will, will meet you there. And God will honor that. And the more you do it, the better it gets. So you're praying for your connect group. You're reading the lesson. And one thing I want to really encourage you is now that you have the lesson and you, you don't have to say it word for word. You don't want to go up there and read your lesson word for word because now you know individuals in your connect group. You know their personalities. You know their cultural experience. You know some of their perspectives that may not align with what's actually in the lesson as written, but still God has something for them in that lesson. So because you're learning about people, you're connecting, you're growing your relationship, and you're praying, and you're reading over the lesson, God may put another thought in your spirit that will still teach the same overall goal, their connection with Jesus, but maybe you'll tweak the story a little bit. Maybe you'll tweak it just a little bit. That's going to be so important. So, for example, last semester we talked a lot about COVID and how it just turned people's worlds upside down, and a lot of questions were directly around that. Well, I learned in one group that I was teaching that they were kind of happy to be stuck at home. You know, they, that person was kind of a hermit, loved it, and now the rest of the family was at home, and they were in their happy place. So some of the lesson didn't really apply in that way. So I had to, because I read it in advance, and I knew this person, I tweaked it just a little, and God still met with us. And so it's, just spend a little bit of time. It won't take you that long, but God is going to honor your investment. I promise. Take a step out, get that group going. Read your lesson before, pray over it. God is going to meet with you there. Use what you learn about people. That's going to be most important because it's authentic relationships. They're really, really authentic. Another important piece about the lesson that I learned is always give the homework and have the expectation that people are going to complete the homework and let them know that they're going to share out next time that we get together. That's so important. It's important that you also do the homework. You don't want to ever ask someone to do something that you're not willing to do. And the unique thing about these lessons is that the assignment is read the scripture. Now, pull out phrases or pull out words and ask God to speak with you as you read it like three times. And God is going to start speaking to your connect group individually. They're going to learn how to listen for the voice of God. God is going to speak into their spirit and there's going to be conviction. Because the word of God is powerful. So give them that homework and expect them to do it and have them share out. And you will be amazed at what learning takes place outside of your group. 
you will be amazed at the conviction that God lays on their spirit that you didn't even think about. They're going to share that with you. And you're probably going to learn from them as well. So give the homework. Do it yourself. Some people are kind of hesitant. Just go in there with expectation. They said yes to this group. They want to learn about God. You're confident that God is going to do the work and have them share. It's just so important. And uh, Brother Paul mentioned it, or someone mentioned it, or Brother Nathan, I think. Let the word of God do the work. Don't ever try to make excuses for what the word of God says. If you just, if you don't know a response to a question, that's okay. You can say, I'll get back with you on that. You could pray on it. You can ask anyone in this room, hey, I was teaching this lesson. What did you think about this? This, is, this was a tough question. It stumped me. It's okay. You don't have to have all the answers because we don't have all the answers anyway. We don't want to pretend. We'll get caught up in that, and then we'll look silly. We'll look silly. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Experience. And it's great because you're, you will stumble along, and that's okay because that's how we grow. And you know, I'm an educator, and I tell this to my staff all the time. No problem. We're going to learn from this, and we're going to grow. And it's true. So you have that rest that Brother Webb was talking about. You've got that joy. I am in the will of God teaching this connect group in my home on Zoom or at the coffee place. I am in the direct will of God, and he's got my back. And I'm going to stumble along. He's going to help me get back up, and I'm going to do it better next time. Be confident in that. Be confident in that. So it's super exciting. Um, Another thing that may happen is if you have more than one person in your group, they're going to begin to teach each other. They're going to share what God is saying. Um, and, and don't be afraid of that. Um, as long as it aligns with the word of God, let them enjoy that growth process of learning to hear God's voice for themselves and to share that with others. So that's just a little bit of what I learned this first semester, and I encourage everyone um, this time next week, I'm going to add to your homework. Find someone that you like, someone that you don't like, and ask them to be a part of your connect group because you're going to grow and it's going to be amazing. I have been asked to give a few ins, uh, points, some insight into how to pray for your disciple. This uh, prayer that I'm going to give you is not only applicable for your disciple, but for your family and for your friends, for everybody. It's actually something that I, I've been praying for years, just any time bef- before service. The key factor into making disciples is teaching. It is presenting the word of God to people and then of course accompanied with relationship and and uh, friendship and and love and imparting your life. But we all know that book that we're talking about, the uh, Connection Group uh, book, there is words and scriptures written written in there that is just life-changing. And that is how what we've been talking about, the Spirit draws people. And we need to pray that the Word of God does what it's intended to do, and that is to get into the heart and the soul of people. Jesus expounded a parable to his disciples in Matthew 13, and he said, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the Word of God of the kingdom and does not understand it, the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. 
This is he who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word, and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becomes unfruitful. But he who received the seed on good ground is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty. And Jesus says here that the gospel of his kingdom, either one of four things is going to happen. And he likens it unto seed, like a sower going out to sow seed into his field, that either seed is going to fall by the wayside, among the stones, among the thorns, or on good ground. And he likens that to whenever the word of God is taught by anybody. One of those four things is going to happen to a potential disciple. He said the seed that falls by the wayside, that's the, that's the devil coming and stealing the word out of their heart because they don't understand. I think that is the key factor to helping a disciple because you'll hear that a lot from them. I don't understand. I just don't understand why you people do what you do. Helping them understand, having God use you to help them understand, I think is essential in praying for your people and for your children and for anybody that they would understand. Maybe they don't necessarily agree with it right then and there, but they understand it. There's no confusion there. It becomes plain as day that baptism is done this way, that way. You know, becoming spirit-filled, you have the sign, and it happens this way. They, they understand that. Okay? So when we pray for, for that, I think you are binding the devil. You know, spiritual warfare is not just throwing oil everywhere and screaming and shouting and all that. But just simply, Lord, pray. I pray, Lord, that you will give us understanding. And when you pray it, it works. Believe me, it works. And you are doing spiritual warfare. You are binding the devil in that moment. So pray that for yourself, your disciple, your family. It works. Uh, falling among stones. This is, Jesus likens this to people who become discouraged with the word of God uh, because of life's troubles, the negative aspects of this life. When things get to going bad, people tend to walk away from God. You know, this happened with COVID-19. Uh, some people, it motivated us. Wow, the end is now. Time to get right with the Lord. Some people thought oh, COVID-19 is not you know, is here and the church has locked its doors. I don't need God anymore. And, you know, that doesn't make sense to us, but that's how some people think. The seed of the word of God that was preached in that season, in that moment, started falling among the stony ground. And so we pray for understanding of the word, and then we also pray, Lord, let not trouble discourage them. Do not let their heart become troubled, and it deviates them from you. It's a little bit different than coming against the devil. What we're doing is coming against this world, coming against this present age. And you pray, not against trouble, because trouble's going to come for all of us. Trouble's a great teacher sometimes and a great motivator. But rather, let the trouble not discourage them from their walk with God, but trouble motivate them in their walk with God. 
You know, run to God with your problems. Run to God with your worries. That's what Jesus came to do. He came. I think sometimes it's like, you know, we don't want to vent to God. God is the safest place to vent. He is the best place to talk about your problems, and you'll be surprised. Um, You know, it's nice to have God talk back, but sometimes it's nice just to feel like God bows down his ear to you. And that's what the Psalms are all about, especially those first 30 to 40 Psalms. They're all about problems. They're all about anguish, and that's why the psalmist says, the Lord has bowed down his ear unto me. And that's a great way, a tool to help people really to establish a good prayer time is talk to God about your problems. So that's what we pray. Lord, let not the the troubles of this world uh, trouble them in discouragement. Thirdly, it is the thorns. This is a little different. This is when good things start happening. You know, a pastor tells a story about a man he discipled years ago back in the 90s in the old church. Uh, we helped this man out, helped him out with just some basic needs in his life. And then all of a sudden he disappeared. And pastor said, I had no idea where he went until I was driving down the road. And I looked up at the recent lottery winner and I saw his face right on that billboard. And yeah. So this man, and in Jesus' name, he's going to come back. You know, he fell among the thorns. He thought, I've got all the money in the world now. I don't need God anymore. I don't need the church anymore. And this happens to people. So we have to pray against the deceitfulness of riches, the pleasures of this life. If anything, when something good happens, we should say, wow, God provided this for me. God helped me. And that should have been a sign to this guy. I'm not saying we all need to go out and buy lottery tickets, okay? But, you know, he was down on his luck. Nothing was working out. Started praying, and lo and behold, he won the lottery, okay? <laughs> Take that as you will. But, um, yeah, pray that the Lord would uh, help people not, your disciples not to be deceived with riches. And then fourthly, Lord, pray, Lord, let this word fall on good ground. Let the, what we're going to say here across this coffee table, whatever is preached, let it just fall on good ground and germinate, and let it just grow. Let the word and the truth just grow inside of them. Let them think about it when they wake up, all throughout the day, when they go to bed. Give them dreams, Lord, about you. So that's what we pray. Lord, give us understanding, great understanding, to block out the deceit of Satan. Lord, help us, God, when we have trouble. Lord, let it motivate our disciples to move closer to you. And Lord, when good things come, and they will, let it motivate us to come closer to you, And always, Lord, let your word just fall on good soil and grow. In Jesus' name. Okay, let's talk about signing up. We have a video, a media video prepared uh, for this that will explain uh, how all this uh, stuff works.
Everybody said amen. amen. That was easy. And uh, I'll tell you, there's a miracle happening right now, right before your very eyes. We're on time schedule. That's divine intervention. And I'm so proud of our staff. All of our pastoral staff have been contributors tonight. They're all fulfilling the mission of Jesus Christ. They're all modeling uh, the apostolic behavior that we're trying to reproduce in all of us. Uh, Dr. Larmy met his disciple at work. Nathan Harvey met his across the aisle at the Life Church. Vanita didn't even like her disciple. <laughs> that just made my day. That was like therapy there for me when she said that. That just really blessed me. That was so good. Sunday... Now, this last Sunday, 12 received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on Pentecost Sunday. And, yeah, let's celebrate that. And I, I, have, I don't know the analytics of that yet, but I would venture to say that a few, if not many of those, are the product of connect groups in February and March. And so connect groups this year are two months on, two months off. And uh, so we had connect groups. Our theme, uh, our topic theme was navigating uncertainty. And we heard a lot of good comments in the uh, feedback portions of the connect groups and the emails that we had. And in case you're interested, we had 71 people, I think 74, commit to launching a connect group. But our high week was 37. So we didn't get all 70 people who expressed an interest engaged, but 37 did with a high adult attendance, I think, in one particular week of 86, if I'm not mistaken, Paul. And I don't know how many weeks that continued, but uh, we saw some of the reaping of that harvest, uh, perhaps on Pentecost Sunday. And so we're very thankful for that. And those that receive the Holy Ghost on Pentecost Sunday are in disciple-making relationships and so we're thankful for that. The theme starting uh, for June and July is discovering your purpose. Discovering your purpose. And everybody's interested in that. And the starting place for that is always God. God has to be the starting place for that. So uh, we're looking forward to, to rolling out those lessons and we're working on them right now. My wife and I, have a connect group on Monday nights. We haven't met the last couple weeks, but uh, this is a couple that we've known for several years, and she has been to our church two or three times, and so we're working with them. Caleb and I have a connect group on Thursday nights with four other young adults, uh, and so that's going very well, and some of those disciples are now turning around and making disciples, and so that's very exciting. That. Our Monday night is in person. Thursday is a Zoom. And then Michaela uh, introduced me to someone that was doing some work for, on her car at Nissan. And that is, we've only had one Bible study with him so far. But uh, it's been very positive. We're continuing to rela- build a relationship uh, with him. So Pastor Justin said that making disciples is all about teaching and building the relationships. And I concur 100%. Now, I've got about uh, eight minutes. So here's what I want to say. For 30 years, as the pastor of our church, 
I've been trying to do everything I can to give the church back to the people. I want to give you, I want to give the church to you. So many people, they, they, they want the pastor to do everything. You know, they just want to come to church, give an offering, say amen, you know, have a closing prayer, go out to eat after church. We had a great service. That's really not the mark of a great service. Great service is when we feel equipped and mobilized and empowered and confident that when we walk out of these doors and when we walk across the aisle, that we can impact someone who's less mature than we are in Christ and bring them forward and take them to the next level, take them to the next place in their walk with God. I see Anuj and Talisa back here. Uh, they've been sitting in those two seats for about five years. And Anuj and Talisa were there for maybe a year before anybody connected with them. And Anuj and I went to lunch, and then he showed me his house. And when we were, I was about ready to walk out the door, and the Holy Spirit fell on Anuj. He was, at that time, a practicing Hindu. But he was coming to our church, hungry for God. And the Spirit fell on him. He began to weep. And he confessed something that he wanted to do for God. And that started a Bible study. And during the Bible study, uh, he was baptized in the name of the Lord. And during the Bible study, he was filled with the Holy Spirit right there, lifted his hands, his voice changed, everything changed. The Holy Ghost fell on him. It was so powerful. It was so powerful. And it's changed his life, and he's never been the same. And I'm giving God the glory, but if you will spend at least a year with your disciple, they will serve the Lord. They will not backslide. They will not walk away from the Lord. Now, there's no guarantees. I understand that. But my experience is if I can have at least a year, two years is even better. Listen, it takes a while to make a disciple. We don't microwave disciples. Nobody microwaves disciples. We crockpot them. Amen. And that's how. So we're trying to give, I'm trying to give the church back to you people. Would you let me do that? That's who Jesus gave the church to. He gave it to his followers. Now we believe in spiritual authority and we believe in the governmental ministry of the church and we believe in apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. But what's their job? To equip the saints. Why? For the work of the ministry. That's Ephesians 4.11. That is one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. And to, to if I was a member of a church, wait a minute, I am a member of a church, and the pastor was constantly encouraging me, believing in me, empowering me, equipping me, giving me permission to go make a difference in the world. Wow, how exciting that is. And so we're attempting to do that in every possible way that we can. Uh, I don't want to give a history lesson, but something happened in the fourth century in the historic church that was a curse to the church. When all the ministry happened up here, all the authorities up here, all the intelligence is up here, all the education is up here. I'm not making jokes. I'm telling the truth. 
All the control is up here. The de facto interpreters of the Bible are up here. And that's not the way the church was in the beginning. Jesus believed in the 12. The 12 believed in their disciples and they impacted their world. So the real power of the church is not on the platform. It's in those seats. When I say power, I mean the real potential. The real potential of the church is sitting in this congregation tonight and on Sunday morning. Mark Twain said, the two most important days of your life are the day you were born and the day you discover why. So let me TLC it. Let me TLC eyes that the two most important days of your life are the day you were born again and the day that you discover why you were born again. And Paul nailed it tonight. The reason we've been born again is to turn around and make disciples. So God is calling us. And I want to turn to John 15. John 15, NL, uh, New King James, please. John 15, New King James, verses 1 to 5. God is calling us from faithfulness to fruitfulness. Everybody say faithfulness. faithfulness. Say fruitfulness. fruitfulness. Would you please stand with me? Look at John 15, 1 to 5. And this is my, this Bible is so beat up. And it's falling apart, which means I'm not. <laughs> and what I have written, Paul, you said, you said it right tonight. You know, when you start reading the Bible through the lens of disciple making, it just takes a whole new meaning. And I've wondered for so many years, what is John 15 really all about? It's about being fruitful, but how are we fruitful? How are we fruitful? Are we fruitful when we start going to church? Are we fruitful when we start giving tithing and offering? Are we fruitful when we join a ministry? We open doors, we park cars, we you know, vacuum carpets, all of those things are important. They're valuable. But that's not really the fruit that Jesus is looking for. He said in John 15, 1, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so the reward for bearing fruit is you get pruned, so have a nice day. <laughs> that it may bear more fruit. Look at this, verse 3. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. Would you read verse 5 out loud with me together? Here we go. I am the vine. You are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him. 
bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Now, we've heard some testimonies tonight. But fruitfulness in the scripture is not being able to operate in seven of the nine gifts of the Spirit and gust up to eight and nine gifts of the Spirit in a good Sunday service. That's not fruitfulness. That's powerful. That's not really the fruit Jesus is talking about. The fruit he's talking about is the lesson is learned in any apple tree, any orange tree, any pear tree, any mango tree, any coconut tree. The tree is fruitful when it produces fruit that it's been designed by God to produce. And so we are fruitful when we produce another one of us, when we make disciples. I still remember the day, Sunday morning, this 27-year-old man and his wife and three little children walked into church at the old building. And I asked him what he did for a living. He said, I'm the manager of Champ Sporting Goods. So guess where I was on Monday? Champs. I'm at Champs. I end up taking this guy to lunch. He tells me he was raised in the church, but he never got saved. I'm like, how does that happen? I asked him if I could teach him a Bible study. He said yes. After five lessons, he asked me if he could be baptized. The next week, he ran to the altar right in the middle of my sermon, interrupted it, ruined a good sermon. And he stopped right in front of the pulpit, and he was unashamed. And the Holy Spirit fell on him. And today, he's a missionary to Burkina Faso. You know that story pretty well. But I thought about it tonight. What if... I would have just been happy to have a couple hundred people in church and have a nice offering and pat myself on the back how good I preached. and You know, and wow, I was amazing today. No, 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 that's not what it's about. It's about going meeting that guy back there, first-time guest, connecting with him, then taking him to lunch. See how simple that is? I'm not... I'm not, there are, there are a lot of people in here that are a better Bible teacher than I am. A lot of people. It's not in the skill of the sower where the power is. The sower went forth to sow the seed. The power is in the seed and in the soil that it falls into. So we shared with you back in January Let's stop asking how many seeds are in the apple. But let's start asking how many apples are in the seeds. And all of us are seeds here tonight. And I wonder who's going to be fruitful in 2021. Who's going to bear fruit? Who's going to make one more just like you? I wonder if my disciple Greg... I wonder if he could be a preacher. I wonder if he could be a church planter. 
I think about Simeon and Nushin and Malachi and Gabby, my Thursday night group, and they're, they're moving so fast. What plans does God have for them? They're already turning around and making disciples and impacting others. Would you close your eyes with me right now? Amen. Would you let the Lord put someone on your heart? Just think, there's a hundred adults here tonight, maybe. 75 to 100, I don't know how many. But we're all seeds. We're all seeds. I wonder how many apples are inside of us. You say, well, I could never make hundreds of, of apples. I'm just one seed. Look, just, just produce one more apple, and maybe that apple could be the one that could become a missionary somewhere. Or they could, they could plant a church somewhere or become an evangelist or just become a great Bible study teacher and disciple maker. Lord, just put somebody on our heart right now. They're already there. They're already in our life. They're already in our life, Lord. They're already coming to church on Sunday or they're already in our family or they're already in our school or they're already at the, at the workplace. We already know who they are, Lord, or, or, or just, Lord, make that spiritual conversation happen. In the name of Jesus, would you pray with me now? Ask the Lord to make you fruitful. Amen. Come on, somebody, ask the Lord to make you fruitful. Lord, I want to be fruitful. I don't want to just teach a Bible study, but I want to be fruitful. I don't want to just, Lord, just build a relationship, but I want to be fruitful. I don't want to just have a good time, but I want to be fruitful. I pray, Lord, that conviction will be in this house right now. In the name of the Lord, God, that you will lead us to our disciple, that we will have a conviction, Lord, to launch a connect group. In the name of Jesus, Lord, there are stories unfolding right now. Lord, two months from now, there's going to be more stories. When we get to the end of July, we're going to celebrate again, Lord, what you're doing, Lord, through these lessons, these topics, Lord, on discovering our purpose. Lord, let somebody discover their purpose in life. Lord, take somebody to the next place and use us each one. Lord, to make disciples of all nations. In the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord. Lord, I want a disciple this semester that's not like me. I know the world, our country in particular, is honoring the death of George Floyd this week. And Lord, the only way that we can heal the nations is to make disciples. The only way that, Lord, the nations can be healed is to be introduced to Jesus Christ. Lord, I'm asking you to give me a disciple that's not like me, that's not anything like me. They don't look like me. Their skin color's different than mine. Their culture's different than me. Lord, I would love that so much. I would love that so much. Lord, I just pray that you will help us, Lord, to heal the nations through the mission of the church. And I ask it in Jesus' name.